Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode Okay, well, I hope you're all doing well. Thanks for um, listening today. It's much appreciated. I hope you've um, had a little look in the back catalogue, if this is your first your first listen as well. So go and have a little route around over there, and I think you'll find that there's a, a load of other guests that I'm sure you're interested in listening to as well as this one. And this one, it's my friend Mitch. Mitch is uh, part of one of my favourite bands, The Milk. Uh, the Milk are just about to release their their uh, new album. Uh, by the time this podcast comes out, it, w- it will be out. Um, and I've known Mitch for a long time. And, uh, and, and what's probably a little bit different with with this episode, and, and it was the case when I had James Buckley from The Inbetweeners on, um, is we hadn't seen each other for a while. So not only was it a podcast, it was a bit of a catch-up. And that's very much the case for this. And bizarrely... Um, James and Mitch are also very good friends. So in this podcast, we talk about the fact that The Milk played at James's wedding um, alongside Ocean Colour Scene. You know, and we, we, we talk about what a bananas weekend that was. Um, we also talk about the fact that, you know, um, I introduced them to James and James ended up directing uh, one of their videos off their first album. And uh, and we 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 go into to, to lots of bits and pieces. We also talk at length about the fact that um, aside from being in the milk, Mick, uh, Mitch is a producer and has produced uh, previous guests' uh, Def Guitar Pops albums. And uh, so we talk about that, and we talk about the community that the music community that is around us in Essex and uh, and the, the people that are involved in it. It's it's, it's a nice chat. It's a, um, a nice catch up and a chat and, and hopefully it'll come across that you can hear is 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 two friends um having a nice nice convo whilst talking about some great records and a couple of howlers but we, we, we go into uh we go into that. Um all right, well I've waffled on to uh, for too long now. Just quickly thanks to Scribbish Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to seventy six for producing this. Um if you enjoy this podcast, um please go and have a look in the, the back catalogue. Um, if that's not enough, then I also have a Patreon page where each week I put up a standalone episode as well, so you can go over there and, and support the podcast there. And if you're still searching for podcast recommendations, the magazine that I have with Scroobius Pip and Adam Richardson is called www.podbiblemag.com, and that's a digital mag and a print mag, and it's also got a podcast where we talk about 
well, we talk to the, some of the biggest podcasters on the planet about their podcasts and the ones they listen to. So um, that's where you need to go for your recommendations. But in regards to Off The Beaten Track, offthebeatentrackpodcast.com. Everything's over there. And all that's left for me to say is thanks for listening and please enjoy Off The Beaten Track Podcast with Mitch from The Milk. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.com uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, They've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk do a bit of shopping see what you like throw it in the basket and then on the way out put in the discount code BEAT15 B-E-A-T-1-5 and that'll save you 15% off amazing right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast Let's get back to that podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Right, we're recording. And uh, I am joined today by Mitch from The Milk. Hello, Stu. You all right? Very well, mate. How are you? And Mitch from Wood Lodge Studios as well. Woods. Woods Lodge, Lodge yeah, Studios. Yeah, We've yeah. just been chatting that the fact you've had these studios for years and I've still never ventured weird, uh, to it. And it's literally five minutes from where I work. See, the way time works as well, Stu, is every time I see you, I've known you longer. Yeah. It's yet more time that you haven't been to my studio. It's weird. It just makes me seem rude, right? <laughs> well, we, we, we should say that... Um, Obviously, we've met before. We've known each other, what, 15 years? It's got to be, mate, isn't it? Like, I first met you, I mean, uh, through the milk when you were known then as Vinny Vinny. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and I think I just sort of stumbled across you somehow. I think through, obviously, you was coming to the toothbrush and stuff. And, and I remember sort of hearing the music you was making. I was like, right, this sounds better than all the other stuff I'm hearing locally at the moment. And it seemed like... You know, we've all been in local bands, but it felt like you knew what you were doing. Yeah, well... I, and I you know. had a singer that could sing properly. That's the main thing at that yeah. age, because we would have been 
still pretty early doors. Mm. But having said that, we started the band when we were 14. So right. We'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that as we work through the timeline. Yeah. But yeah, so I've known you like 15 years through the club and then through all manner of different bits and pieces that you've done in bands and lots of collaborations. We'll talk about the fact that you met James from the Inbetweeners through me and yeah, ended yeah. up going on to direct one of your videos yeah. and starring one of your videos yeah. and and you ended up playing at his wedding. Bizarrely, yeah. With Ocean yeah. Colour scene. Yeah. That was a weird do, right? <laughs> it, it got weirder as well as the night went on. <laughs> we'll yeah. touch on that as well. Um, but uh, we always start this podcast with track one, which is the song with the greatest ever intro. Okay. So this one was pretty easy for me. Okay. Um, one, because it come from a band that meant so much to me, you know, in terms of my career and my taste in music. Um, <clears throat> and it kind of shaped me to be the bloke I am. It kind of, um, it was my bridge from childhood into manhood and how, you know, how your tastes mm-hmm. change, you know. Your mum would, I don't know, if you had a taste of your dad's beer or something, it would taste terrible and then all of a sudden it tastes fucking amazing. Yeah. And it's the same with music, it's the same with films. Yeah. And, uh, and this was pretty powerful and the fact that it's such a great intro, it was like, it was like the intro to my manhood, Stu, and it is Supersonic yeah. by Oasis. Does it start with... No, hang on. Does it start with drums? It starts with the drums, man. Right. Which, again, obviously brought me in being the drummer. Yeah. And uh, just beautifully mixed, so powerful. Um, do you know what I mean? A band that were just so exciting at the time. I wasn't... This wasn't during the period where Supersonic was released. This was a little after. Um, How old are you, Mitch? 36. Right, 36. okay. So when I... Morning Glory was already out, basically, yeah. before I got into Definitely Maybe. Just, you know, I was still into fucking Power Rangers or whatever it was. Yeah. Turtles before that. Um, but I just think the intro of, of Supersonic, it's just, it's like bravado. Call it's of masculinity. Arms. It's like just a bicep on coke, just ready yeah. to fucking go. And it's one of those tunes where, you know, I'd, I'd listen to it now before a meeting or something yeah. like that. Do you know what I mean? It's something important that I had to really raise my game to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'd stick that on. It just fucking the chest is out and I'm like, what could go wrong? You know what I mean? So you say it was an easy choice. Was there anything else? Was there any honorable mentions? What was, what was there anything else in the running for it? It's the easiest one. I'll, I'll as, as the list goes on, I'll give you the alternatives. Yeah. This one was like, I, I pretty much as soon as I thought about it, yeah. you know, the drum intro, the fact that Oasis was such an important thing for me. It's the reason we started the band. It's the reason I'm sitting here with you now. Yeah. You know, as the chain of events went on. Sure. And I just, it's just such a powerful intro, mate. It's just, let's do this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. Was my, it was my, it, it's, it's soundtrack to my intro into, you know, the sort of bloke I was going to be. I was going to be in pubs. I was going to be hanging around with me mates. I was going to be, you know, doing my best with birds. I weren't going to be sitting on my own with me rain out on sort of staring at my shoes. I was yeah. going to be out there and yeah. doing it. So, uh, yeah. Well, what I, I generally ask, um, artists at this point and and it's it's quite a sort of double loaded question really this one for you because obviously aside from you know being somebody that that, that is in a band um you're a producer as well i am um at your studio so when we come to intros i mean as uh, I, I think before i sort of ask the question I, I think for me as an outsider looking at the Milk's career, like any band, the first album feels like it's super hundred mile an hour, everything to play for, 
and then the sound matures and and they're not necessarily three minute let's throw everything in the kitchen sink at it let's let everything breathe let's everything be found in a mix is that a fair assumption of the milk yeah, well, uh, for us most definitely yeah you know and so i want to ask now like how you approach an intro when you put in together the new milk album which we'll talk about mm-hmm. you know, a little bit later and if you get a band come in a young band that, that come to record with you what you will say to them in regards to intro and the importance of it yeah well it's the it's the handshake of a song isn't it you know it's got to be you've got to kind of get everything that you want to address in the track in that intro I think you know depending on the music I mean it's pretty subjective isn't it you can have I mean it was only yesterday I was recording um, a folk guy and he was listening to a he was getting a reference from this band called Doors, not The Doors. Mm-hmm. The, you know. And uh, they had the, like, this really off-key kind of piano intro and then went into this sort of guitar thing. And he was like, I want to do something similar to that. And we was messing around with some chords and stuff. And then it sort of, it come to me the uh, the beginning of Wouldn't It Be Nice, you know, the, the pet, pet sound, yeah. uh, Beach Boys. And the the modulation that goes on sort of three three seconds into that song and the reasons for it and we were started to play around with those sort of things so sometimes an intro can be madly off key like that which kind of is its handshake do you know yeah. what I mean this is going to get a bit wonky but I don't know I mean it's not something I'd labour too too much about um, do you think less so it's really weird because it's quite contradictory in, insofar as I've seen your music mature into what I would say you're you're an albums band. You're you know, mm. it's it's a mature sound. Whereas a young band making their first album trying to get on the radio might have that radio for sure in their head that right, we've got three minutes, we've got to get her, we've got to hook them in yeah. this world where everything's so disposable on Spotify and YouTube and things like that. That that's kind of the the sort of juxtaposition I was sort of talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean before the milk you know, we was in many bands before, one of which was a scatty, mad punk band, you know. Yeah. And we had the ripped jeans and the crazy air and yeah. fucking, you know, all sorts. And yeah, I totally know. I totally know that feeling of wanting to just, you know, if you get a song under three minutes, it's got every chance to get some radio play, hit them hard, yeah. you know, hit them heavy sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I still buy into that. Do you know what I mean? And when I'm when I've got a band like that with me, yeah, man, I encourage that as much as I can but yeah. of course the thing about being a producer is you've got to have many hats on yeah. you know because like I say from one day to the next I'm working from with a you know singer songwriter folk guy and then I've got some mad yeah fucking punk band in. yeah and um you know you want to give good advice wherever you can and yeah. sometimes that's not the same for both do you know what I mean yeah. so um yeah horses for courses absolutely Stu. absolutely we should also say that um You've produced recent guests, Death of Guitar Pop, uh, on a lot of their stuff, haven't you? I've done a lot, mate. Yeah. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a, it was a, I love those boys. Um, they've turned into good pals of mine. Oh, they're, they're, they're smashers. Yeah, and uh, we can't, you know, I wouldn't speak for Ollie, but I know for me, I, I met him um, at just the, just the right time in my life, I think. Um, I was looking for, you know, a project I could really get my teeth into. Um, I'd only ever done one or two albums before, um, 
Death of Guitar Boy as a producer. Yeah. Done, obviously, the Milks albums, done mm. a lot of singles, EPs. Um, but yeah, not, not many long plays. So when Ollie come in, we, you know, we started jamming around with a few, you know, he obviously had some ideas and we had a couple of songs up and running. It weren't long before his entrepreneurial hat come out and, you know, we had an album lined up. Yes. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a great thing for me. And, uh, to work with two lads so talented, um, was just great. You know, you're desperate for everyone to walk through yeah, the studio yeah. door to be fucking brilliant at what yeah. they do. And those two are. Yeah. Um, I tell you what was you know was good for me as well, good for the ego is uh, it was just the two of them that come in mm. to record, especially that first album. Mm. So uh, they'd often ask me to do a bit of drums and bass, and like I say, I like pretending that I don't know what I'm doing, and then yeah. pick up the bass and go fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes me feel like I'm earning me money. Yeah, uh, but it was just it makes me more. I mean, I always feel like I'm a part of every project I produce, but yeah. the fact that I'm playing on it as well. Yeah. It's extra special. It feels like, you know, obviously The Milk is my first band. Yeah. If, you know, Death of Guitar Pop's my second. Yeah. Oh, lovely. And it's good. It's like, as you know, when, when you, you guys have been on the Hardcore Listing podcast and things like that, <clears throat> it's a nice community of, of people in Essex. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and Death of Guitar Pop, you, uh, Pop yourself and, and like, you know, previous guest Mark Watts. You know, we've all spent lots and lots of years in and around each other's bands, kind of supporting and helping. And yeah. it's good, man. It's a nice community. It's really, really good. I mean, you, you start off wanting to create a scene. You know, people yeah. would tell you when you're young, oh, wouldn't it be great if we got a scene going yeah. on? And you never really know what that looks like. You know, you sort of see the libertines at the time at yeah. the highest level of a scene. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, imagine if we created something like that. Yeah. Of course, it's, it's, it's difficult. But, you know, now I look at it and we, you know, we we had one. We've, we, we have one. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And it's great, and that net of people who kind of know, or is linked with one of us. Yeah, it, you know, it goes, it goes yeah. far. You know, a lot of bands, like I say, I'm exposed to a lot of new bands, and yeah. you know, guys in old bands that are starting new projects, and they come to work with me, and yeah. they're like, oh, you know, such and such, oh, you know, yeah. Stu, you know, Mark, yeah. and it just, it's, it astounds me how many people, yeah, like I say that that network goes. That's know, nice, so, man. Good. Track two, Mitch. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. This was a difficult one, Stu. This was one of the more difficult ones in the list. I decided to, because I know you can, you know, there are many different types of emotions. Mm -hmm. um, so you could blag this to be any number of, you know, one of them. But I decided to, you know, the core idea of, of emotion, which is, you know, that sensitivity that you may or may not have. I decided to go down that road. And uh, I struggled with it. I struggled to... Um, what, so what do you mean by that? Like, so well, you, know, you, you went with sort of sadness? Not necessarily sadness, but something that's sort of... Because when you're young, you know, you're not really aware of your emotions Completely. as much, maybe, than when you're older. You know, yeah. I, I think that's fair to say. I know I wasn't. Yeah. Um, everything's cool, everything's great. You're just a scatty, mad little nutter, aren't you? Yeah. So, so that moment, and it probably was a song, if not a life event, that kind of triggers, oh shit, man, yeah. I feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. something here. What is that? And uh, there was a few, there was a few knocking around. Human Nature, uh, Michael Jackson was, yep. was right up there. I was a massive MJ fan as a kid. Yeah. Um, there was a few others knocking about. I, you know, I, I listened to my fair share of god awful crap as well. I remember I had um, Always by Bon Jovi, and uh, I had a girlfriend at the time. Oh, I must have been nine or ten, and she lived 
on the same road, but just yeah. around the corner. You know, and I'd listen to this fucking Bon Jovi track thinking I was in some, you know, horrendous love story. Yeah. I could have just got on my bike and gone to see her. Yeah. That would have been far too scary. Yeah. And far less poetic than sitting by a roof pining over her. Uh, so there's, the, there's terrible music in there, but I think if I go way back, it's this song, uh, This Old Heart of Mine by the Isley Brothers. And the reason I say that is because a lot of what you're brought up on, you know, sort of channels what you're into as you as you grow up, right? And in my dad's car all the time was Tamla Motown. Just it was either that or a little bit of Phil Collins, but mm-hmm. mainly mainly Motown. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I remember this. I remember this song particularly sticking out for me. One because it's fucking it's, incredible. Oh, it's one of the best written songs ever. But the yeah. way that um, he, you know, he just pours his fucking heart out over over this love, mm. you know. And I remember chatting to my dad about it and him saying something like, um, oh, yeah, yeah, she, she's fucking messed him up good. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that being kind of the ultimate leveller of, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'd have to say it's, it's, it's that track. It's so far as I can go. So is that emotion just the first time you actually had an emotional response full stop to a, to a piece of music? Well, I don't know. I suppose that kind of initial response. Yeah. God knows it felt something is. more than what you felt for music before. I, yeah, it, I remember. Th- I remember feeling like fucking hell. What is he like? He's ripping his heart out. Yeah, over something, you know. Yeah, and like I say, when you're six, you don't know what that is, do you? What's, what's that? It could very possibly be my choice. Right. I, that's, uh, that's interesting. All that was on at home was the Motown Chartbusters album. Yeah, right. And this was on there. And there's a track by you. I'm sure your song on it is a lot greater than mine. Who done should have been me? Um, I don't know, mate. And uh, and it was just about going to the wedding, yeah. and she's there, heartbreak, and she's just singing. It should have been me. But then the, I just remember them two songs were the songs that just made me think. And, and it's so weird with Motan that there's these guys that are just pouring their torn heart all over the place, yet it's the most joyous, uplifting music with such pop sensibilities and hooks. And it's just brilliant. that They just gel together and just give you this experience that is just the fucking joy of Motown. So aside from Phil Collins and and some Motown in the car, was there also sort of records on at home and, you know, was there family dues where there'd be records on and stuff? Was you exposed to much music as a kid? Not really, mate, to be honest. You know, should also say quickly that you, um, your brother Luke's in the band yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Luke's in the band. Uh, although he was even... I mean, I was into sort of uh, dancing, you know, as a kid, dancing music and singing and all this stuff. Luke weren't at all. He was more of a... So, well, hang on. Sitting in his he was room. into dancing and music. I'm talking about being a five-year-old, Stu. Right, okay. You know what I mean? Was uh, there like a dance club or...? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I'd have been fucking good at it. That's yeah. Sure. But I'm talking about when I was very young. Okay. But, there, but we weren't like a musical family, you know. My dad could barely whistle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like I say, there was only Michael Jackson, Phil Collins, Motown. Yeah. Like I'd wish he was into some fucking Bowie, you know, B-sides, but it, it just wasn't the case in our family. Just, do you know what? I don't necessarily think it's that important. It's really weird because, like you, the, the records you mentioned, that's what I was exposed yeah. to as a kid. You know, it was just that. A dodgy version of Atlantic Crossing by Rod Stewart some just a load of shit Cliff Richard albums and it was like 
But I was always looking at the sleeves. Yeah. Just yeah. thinking, oh, that's cool. And like, they had Goodbye Yellow Brick Road on Yellow Vinyl. And I remember thinking, so that's edgy. Whoa. That's edgy for our house. Like, I was yeah. thinking, that's pretty cool. I can't even remember listening to it. But, but I do think that you don't necessarily have to be exposed to good music to to find your way. Yeah. I think like you are I think you just get to an age where you hear something and it's like oh, I want to know more about that. Mm. And then I I think you make that decision then to do that or just kind of go with a flow of music just being something that's there and yeah, yeah. you know if you go to a club it's just oh they play them songs off the radio it's all right. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think sometimes people just want to go a little bit deeper and and yeah, I don't know, just through doing this podcast, I've had lots of people that have been on that have said like, yeah, you know, I just I grew up and mum was listening to Leonard Cohen and dad was listening to like, well, like you know, just, just you're thinking man's bands and yeah. you just think, oh, wow, that's pretty heavy. And like, but I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with listening to Phil Collins when you were a kid. I think like I, I still get as much joy if I, uh, I mean, I went for a run yesterday morning and against all odds, come on on my it's iPod, massive. right? I fucking love Leonard Cohen, yeah. but I probably edge against all odds <laughs> over first we take Manhattan because it's just a fucking great record, and it makes me think I'm young. It makes me think of their moments, and that's why I don't subscribe to this guilty pleasures thing. Yeah. It's like you shouldn't be ashamed of what you grew up in, you know. If you it always by Bon Jovi and it takes you back to that moment. There's nothing wrong with that. Do you know what you I mean? Know, I had to listen to it whilst I was sorting out this list and uh, it's fucking awful. I, <laughs> I haven't listened to it since. It's not It's not one I keep coming back to. It's strange. My, my wife loves Bon Jovi, goes yeah. to see him every year and I, really? I, I just, I think they're awful. And I've got a mate like that. We go 10 rounds every time I see him over Bon Jovi. I don't get it. I think fundamentally... He would love John Bon Jovi to be seen as a Springsteen, as a Tom yeah. Petty. But he's not. He's a shit cowboy yeah. that had a bad haircut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Um, track three, the song that reminds you of your time at school. Yeah, again, another weird one. I decided to go right back. A lot of these have taken me right back. And... Um, I've already had the Oasis song in there, but I'd probably say Oasis for like me senior school years because, you know, like we were just talking about, that was, that's kind of what, you know, bridged me into, from from a kid into a bloke. Mm -hmm. And that was what I was going to be into. That was my spark of inspiration to yeah. search for new music, like you was just saying. Mm -hmm. um, but I decided to go way, way back. And my first memory was when I, I broke my leg as a four-year-old. And I don't remember anything before that, really. So it's like, you know, these massive events, they can, uh, events, they can spark you into like your consciousness, mm -hmm. can't they? They can, they can awaken you to the world. So like, that was my earliest memory. And it was around the same time that I was starting uh, school or reception. Because I remember I had the fucking leg on, the, yeah. the cast on. And uh, this song was in the charts at the time, and which is showing my age massively. But it's all right. Um, if it makes you feel any better, I was probably yeah. at the time I was about to leave school. Yeah, you was about 30, <laughs> 37. <laughs> and uh, I tell you what, I'm not, I'm not that, it's, this isn't a guilty pleasure, man. This, I've followed this band, I say followed them, you know what I mean? I've, I've, I've never gone far from this band um, throughout my whole life. And I saw them um, 
two years ago with the original, well, not the original, with the no Peter with, Green, with the lineup, yeah, yeah. with the rumours lineup, and uh, yeah, it's uh, Fleetwood Mac, yeah, and Little Lies. It's yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like I had it on a compilation as well, and uh, and it takes me straight back to school. It takes me it, on at the moment. There's on Friday nights they put on Vintage Top of the Pops. Oh, yes. And it's at the point now where that's on it. And, uh, yeah. What a chorus. I just... What a co- Do you know, someone said to me once, I think it was a, an old manager of mine, he said, Mitch, everything you write has a little bit of Fleetwood Mac in it. And I was like, I'll fucking take that. Yeah. And I can hear it. I can. There's just something Fleetwood Mac-y in most of what I come up with. Um, obviously, no way. I'm not saying... I, I, I just I'd give to come out with something that they did. But, I yeah. just really hoped you was going to introduce that in a partridge style and go, uh, <laughs> cocaine enthusiasts, Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> <laughs> did you enjoy school, mate? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I never really had much problem with it. Um, I know some people do. I know why it's, you know, I, I worry more for, I mean, I don't have kids, but if I was to have kids, I'd worry more for them than. Mm-hmm than I ever did for myself. I was I was all right. So he's Luke... I don't actually know. He's, he's Luke younger than you. No, he's fucking older. Although he looks younger now. Yeah, sorry, mate. I'll let that slide. So is it... That's happening more and more. Did it, did it help having an older brother at school? Yes and no. Um, it did, because it was, you know, it's a familiar face. Mm. And it was nice to... Yeah, he kind of... Was the, the trailblazer. Mm. Um and he'll hate me for saying this, but I th- especially when we were younger, I think in a lot of ways, I was sometimes the older brother out of the two of us. Um, I was always the one, the first one to be caught smoking. I was, you know, more in trouble than he is. I'd have the, I'd have, always have a girlfriend before him. You know what I mean? It was mm. just, I was doing a lot of things first out mm. of the two of us. And he, was, he was smarter than you, right? He was very much smarter <laughs> than me. Yeah. And uh, he was the favourite one of the, in the yeah. family as well. So uh, I get that. He's probably my favourite. Uh, yeah, yeah. I prefer him to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was you know it was, it was two years apart, so he's he's pretty much my age. So was music sort of starting to happen at school? Um, well, outside my dance classes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you took the leg warmers off by now, mate. Let's move forward. Well, I tell you, we'll fast forward to uh, senior school because I, th- I think I had like keyboard lessons and stuff. I was interested in in it when I was a in, you know primary school. Mum would send me to keyboard lessons, which was great of them. You know, That's they, amazing. They, they didn't have a lot of money and, you know, they, they would do anything to encourage us. And that went throughout my mum and dad. You know, I couldn't have done, oh, I don't know where I'd be with, with, without them or what I'd be doing yeah. in my life. I certainly wouldn't be a record producer and drummer yeah. in a band, that's for sure. Um, but uh, it was more senior school. Being introduced to Rick, the singer of the band, um, Rick played guitar. And I thought, oh, fucking, that's pretty cool. And again, this is about that time where um, Morning Glory comes out. I then go back to Supersonic and tiny and nice. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, fucking hell. And that's when me and Rick started growing our air and thinking that, oh, okay, should we try? I don't know. Mitch, go and get some rulers. We'll go down the uh, the uh, the music department and you can try your hand at drums, maybe. Was that encouraged at school? Not playing with rulers. No, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. I mean, I got fucking bollock for that. Yeah, Mr. Stimson. I mean, rightly so. Someone played my drums in Rulers. I fucking yeah. kick off. Uh, yeah. It, it, was it encouraged? Not really at the school. No, we had this. I mean, can I say names? Probably not. 
there's another there's, there's another teacher called Miss Calver, who was our music teacher throughout, and she was the most, oh, you know, these people that just bring you down. Do you know what I mean? And even as a kid, I kind of recognised this woman just brings us down. You know, you we weren't allowed to touch the guitars because we were, you know, we had to do three blind mice on a fucking flute, and I'm there like Rick, this amazing guitarist. I don't care if he's eleven. I'll yeah. Give him a fucking guitar. Like encourage that shit. You know? Yeah. I wanted to play the drums. Let me sit at the drum kit. And uh, she was she was not one for that. I mean, she was one for standing in the corner, like facing the wall for the whole lesson, if you was I don't know, chewing gum or whatever. Um, so yeah, not, not really encouraged at all at school. But, you know, Rick and I especially, we were pretty motivated to, um, you know, to go down there at lunchtimes and fuck around and see what we could come up with. Um, yeah, and that was kind of the start of it, man, yeah. Did it feel quite easy? Yeah. Yeah, it did. I mean, he was my best mate, still is. Yeah. So it's you know, it just fun. That's what I say to bands now. Yeah. Especially young bands, you know, and, and their mums and dads are going, oh, have they got anything? Yeah. I had this a couple of months ago and I said, don't don't worry about all that. Don't worry about record labels. Like she was asking about copyright law and these lads were like 16. Yeah. And I was like, for fuck's sake. I was doing like a friend, it's a friend's brother. And I was yeah. doing him a favour. I was like, don't worry about all of that. I said, just make sure they're in, they're enjoying themselves. Yeah. And when they're rehearsing or gigging or writing, it's just yeah. they're having the time of their life. I said, they'll wake up in three years and they might have a couple of tunes that are good. They'll wake up in 10 years and they might have a fucking album and a record deal. And then they'll look back and think that them first couple of years of just finding your way are the best. Of course they are, mate. Like, cause it's like, it's all ahead of you then, isn't it? Yeah, man. And it's all to be played for and it's exciting and you're just kind of finding out what you can do yeah, yeah. and like, yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I spent years promoting bands and it was like just seeing the excitement of them bands playing like their first gig to a crowd and things like that. And it's just like, and you know, the mums and dads are in the audience yeah. and things like that. It's, it's just the best. It's, it's all like, stuff that my mum and dad did. Yeah. All of our parents did back yeah. in the day, you know. I mean, I saw you at Village Underground a couple of years ago, and your dad was still there with a great big camera snapping yeah. away, mate. He loves it, man. It's good. It's good. I wouldn't have it any other way. We've yeah. got a gig next week. Uh, yeah, a little plug. Um, I mean, it'll be about two weeks yeah, or gone by the time this comes out. But I said to him, you coming on to that, Dad? He's like, fuck you. So he'll be there. front And, and it's where? Uh, which is a great one actually we're doing Rough Trade East nice oh you're doing this and do you know what it's about 7 o'clock in the evening isn't it that's it yeah it's around the corner from where I work feeling it yeah I'm going to come down do it man I'll get you on the list that'd be lovely I will I I actually went to my first um, Rough Trade East show uh, about a month ago there was a, a songwriter that he was he was actually in Duran Duran originally his name's Stephen Tintin Duffy and uh and he just decided to do an insta for his new album. And uh, and I went down there. And it's great. Like, I've, never, I've, never, I've never done a gig in there. Mate, it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. like you just go into Rough Trade and, and there's a band at the end on a stage. And it's like, it's great. I like, can't wait. Yeah. I must say, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, it'd be wicked. I mean, I like gigs anyway. Like, fucking any gig we do, I love. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm very appreciative of people coming to see yeah. us. But this one, particularly, I'm dead excited about it. Yeah. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify, 
and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. I've seen you play some fucking amazing venues, Mitch. I saw you's saw you's a village underground, which was yeah. incredible. I saw you's me and James came to see you at Randas. Big one. Mm, that was great. It was great, yeah. Like, really, really good. And uh it's good to see you's mess with the crowd at that as well. Like yeah. you got everybody down on the floor whilst Rick He's doing a few little, like interlude of like a few covers, yeah, like just little bites of like big tunes, and you just get in the crowd, jump. It was fucking great to see, man. That was, like, I mean, we got the same name. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. But it was quite a different band then. There's a lot of that that I miss, mm. and a lot of that that we're currently sort of talking about bringing back potentially. Yeah. Um, but what we used to do back in those days was uh, would link the whole set. So yeah. whether it was a 30 minute set or 40 minute set, rarely was it longer than that. You know, you didn't get those sort of big slots back yeah. then. We'd link the whole fucking thing. So every song would sort of modulate into the other, all of our own material, and in between we'd connect them with like little covers and little ditties yeah. and little bits from like soundtracks and stuff and because um, they're gigs they come and go and rarely do yeah. you kind of remember what we did but every now and again I'll dig dig out like a live recording of one of these and Roundhouse is one of them yeah and we did some mad stuff yeah yeah, yeah. like fucking drum and bass intros yeah. into like Wu-Tang it yeah. was bizarre but yeah kind of kind of good yeah but to go back to what I initially said you know that was Probably eight, nine years ago. Yeah. Like, you know, I've seen your sound massively mature and and develop and yeah, and, and, and played things like you played Union Chapel, right? And that it's like massive, yeah. fucking Union Chapel, man. To play that's it's amazing. Huge, yeah. yeah. And that's that's recorded, isn't it? That, yeah, that we was, put that out that was on, an album on, on the it. label, yeah. yeah. So um we kinda of, we was like, we're not gonna let this opportunity yeah, you know, miss this opportunity. So we had it properly recorded and I mixed it, in fact, so I'm proud of that. You know, it weren't easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, just because I'm a fussy fucker, especially with my own stuff. Yeah, of course. You know I mean? 
Uh, but that's why you do what you do. Well, yeah, yeah. Every, every backing vocal was right on point, Stu, I can assure you. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a special gig. But we, yeah, we, Most of like the big London halls we've done, the next one for us, the real next step up for us is um, uh, Royal Albert Hall, believe it or not, which is not as, um, I think it's 5,000. Right. Which obviously is a massive step up. But yeah. you think Royal Albert Hall, I mean, in my head, I'm thinking it's like, 15. I thought that. It's nowhere near it. It's 5,000. Wow. So it looked good with three or four, I think. Lovely. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how this album goes. Yeah. Mitch, track four. The first song that you bought from a record store. Uh, yes. This is a tricky one because you can't lie or yep. um, it's not very subjective, is it? So I'm just going to give it to you. Okay. But what I will say is I bought three at the same time. Right. And, and this was the coolest one. And, I, and, I, and, I, <laughs> and I'm, cho- I'm choosing one of the three to reveal. Okay. And uh, it's a Motown track, uh, another Motown track, and it is. Boy- you can't polish this, turd, Mitch. <laughs> Boy- Boys to Men, End of the Road. Yeah. Yeah. Felt like that was number one forever. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's the it's that chat in the middle of the song. Do you remember that oh, chat? And it was the. That, that goes on forever. It was the little sort of stumpy bloke that does that <laughs> like vocal that I just couldn't stand it. And I'll tell you how old I am, Mitch. That was when I was going to a Pizzazz Discotheque in Greys. That was in the slow dance section. Fuck. You'd have a 20-minute erection section where you would just get some slowies. <laughs> get here by Lita Adams. Yeah, whatever you and, can. Uh, if only for tonight by Dina Carroll and Boys to Mend, End of the Road, and that was it. Fun sized Mars bar in your trousers having a slow dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. What were the other two? I won't tell you. Oh, come on, leave off. I'll say this before, because that was on CD single. Right. I had, a, I had a, you know, big sort of ghetto blaster thing. Yeah. Uh, and I got it pretty young. I think End of the Road was. I don't know the year, but I know I was only about nine or ten. But I know I had pre that I had a tape of Snap, uh, the Power, yeah, which is infinitely cooler. Mm-hmm. But I can't honestly say I walked into a record store and bought that. Yeah, I did the Boys to Men track. I mm-hmm. went in there with money that I got from whatever. Yep, and I bought it. So it's. it's your first record's not meant to be cool, mate. Nah, nah. Motown. I'll, I'll just say it's a Motown track. Yeah, right. Where'd you buy it? Adrian's in Wickford. Oh, of course. You was you was privileged. You had a you had a cool indie shop, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I was down the road. That mm. shop, mate. I mean, you know, you've been. You know, mm. It used there used to be sort of four shops on that high street. Wickford right. would be kind of half orange because yeah. of all the Adrian stores they had the the video didn't they? Mm-hmm. The video rental, the video buyer, the CD uh, shop, the vinyl um, shack. And uh, yeah, all that's left is the vinyl shack, which is like everything now. Is that the little one tucked down the bottom of the set? Because it used to be like two floors and you'd go upstairs when I was probably like 19, 20, go upstairs and it was just this huge record store. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was... It was independent record store, like UK independent record store of the year, like fucking every year, as far as I remember. Oh, it was... It was brilliant. Yeah, and it's... Did that become more important to you as you got older? Record stores? Yeah. Uh, did it become more important from that age from sort of 10, 11 months? yeah but less so um, 
you know, as soon as we got past the CD era, I suppose for everyone, they get left, you know, less important, when they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of, you know, that, that sort of the 90s and early yeah. 2000s, I mean, you couldn't go a birthday or a Christmas without having fucking five to ten records, could you? Yeah. Any given... Or record vouchers. Or vouchers, yeah. 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 But, you know, spare pocket money, whatever I had of it. Yeah. I'd buy CDs at the time. Um, but, yeah. Moving on to track five. Um, the song that soundtrack your year's clubbing. Yes. Well, again, it's quite a subjective one. I had to sort of choose a path with this. Okay. I mean, think, you know, starters, the period where I started going clubbing, I mean, I think I got into my first club in England when I was 15. It was pre, like, um, you needed ID and all this mm-hmm. sort of business. You just kind of had to, you know, put your loafers on, have, yeah. a, have a Ben Sherman on, and you kind of fitted the part. Do you remember, you had to wear pinstripe trousers to get in places back then. Oh, I mean, that, 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 that place where uh, I was slow dancing uh, <laughs> right. to boys to men, trousers and a shirt, or you couldn't get in. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Mm. That kind of weird rules. I, what does that mean? Like, jeans, what, what's, what's jeans going to do? It's bonkers. It may, it, 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 and do you know what? I've spoke about it recently. Like, I can't think of what I don't know. I'm speaking about just the craziness of, like, you're going out to relax <laughs> and dance. And and I think when this club first opened, you had to wear a tie as well. Really? And so there was like all of these kind of guys in full yuppie attire, paisley tie, like, you know, shirt, trousers and shoes going out to, I guess in 88, rave yeah. to acid ass. And it made no sense. Like, <laughs> the thought now, and I mean, obviously, you've been a, a, a long-term frequenter of my establishment and... The thought of somebody turning up in a pair of trousers and a shirt, I'd almost feel like, mate, you're going to get them dirty. Like, don't do it, mate. I mean, to to go back to the question, I nearly went with a more, you know, indie alternative kind of driven track, which very much soundtracked, you know, my late teens and, you know, early 20s. Well, from then onwards, really. And yeah, the Pink Toothbrush in Rayleigh was was a massive, massive place for us. I had a hundred percent record in there for about two years. <laughs> true story. I'll get you a plaque, mate. Don't true, worry. true story, mate. Honestly, <laughs> I couldn't go wrong. I don't know what it was. I had fucking crazy hair. I think that might have had something to do with it. I was a lot slimmer then as well. And the dancing, I told you. Fuck it. All that, all that. Ah, uh, right. All those early lessons. Coming to your own. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> um, but truth be told, I mean, you know, the 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 toothbrush was a stand-up establishment. I couldn't get in as a 15-year-old, so I had to go to these god-awful places that I had to put pinstripes on. So would you have, like, different groups of mates where some would be like, right, I want to go to a grimy indie club, and some of your mates were like, I want to go here? No, no, no. Do you know what? My indie mates were my band, Mm. and we were all part of a bigger group, a group that we are still really Mm. close now. And uh, it was, you know, we'd done the Essex nightclub thing, and I don't regret it at all. Mm. I mean, I did like that music. I mean, yeah. I, we was in a band at the same time, so we'd go out to Tots or Dukes. These are all kind of it. your mainstream sort of commercial high street clubs. Yeah, yeah, well, I think Dukes was on, you know, there was they had a television program about it for, mm. for a bit. You know, like all that IB for Uncovered and all that. Yeah. I think there was a Dukes Uncovered for a bit. I don't know what channel it was on. But, um, yeah, I mean, they were quite well known. I mean, the whole, like, Essex thing was kind of, I know it was around, it sort of established a bit earlier, but in the 80s, but I think... 
It was it's height in the nineties. Definitely, right? yeah. When people, you know, you'd get buses down from fucking, you know, gang of women from, I don't know, fucking Burnley. Yeah. To get a talk. Yeah. And you're fucking thinking, why are you here? You That'd be I mean? a disappointment. Oh, blimey. Well, it's shut now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we we done the clubbing thing, mate. And uh, like I say, some of the best times of my life. And, uh, I, I, you know, I genuinely believe this. You know, I'm into me solid, you know, stand-up, fucking cool-ass music. But at the same time, there's a special place for that period, that kind of 90s, early 2000s, that kind of commercial house club music mm. that, I think it, it. I think it was really fucking good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it was a golden age for for that. I think. And garage was just starting. Um, you know, I remember when um, it was a sweet like chocolate boy, and mm-hmm. you, you, people were, had like bootlegs of it six months before. You know, it come out, and there was like the Artful Dodger track when it rewind. And I remember being in clubs and that dropping, and everyone losing their shit because yeah. it sounded different. It sounded new. It sounded fucking dated as fuck now, didn't it? But at it the sounded time, very British. Very British, man. Yeah, yeah. A bit mm. like the grime thing, I yeah. suppose, that's going on mm. now, but a bit more, yeah, a bit, bit more for the ladies, I guess. But I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, all that was kicking off, mate. So we'd go to these clubs, not necessarily for the music, mate. We was, was there for the birds and to get... Is that what you wanted from clubbing, to get yeah, drunk cool. and meet girls? I had a band for, for music, you know. Mm. We'd go to the club on a Friday night and come Saturday afternoon, we'd be back at the rehearsal room listening to the Benz radio mm. you know I could split the two kind of thing yeah. in, in, my, in my mind but I mean I remember listening to um, you know Noel Noel Gallagher talk about his time in Manchester back in the day you know and he said similar sort of stuff he'd be in the Hacienda you know listening to rave music but one then, of his favourite tracks is Voodoo Ray right right mm. and then down in the boardwalk with Oasis sort mm. of the you know the same weekend and again I ain't Noel Gallagher this ain't the Hacienda Mm. Far from it. But it's the same idea, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where I could kind of be in both those two worlds at the same time. And I didn't mind it, do you know what I mean? Like, Good records, good records. Yeah, yeah, fucking right. So yeah, my choice, and it's purely because it's it's a particular pleasure of mine. And it's a guilty pleasure, but we're not saying that anymore. No. It's a pleasure of mine, uh, and it's Daft Punk one more time. And the reason I choose this is because it's kept cropping up in my throughout the timeline of my club life, you know, into my sort of mid twenties when I was in Ibiza and it kept cropping up at like crucial points, you know, and, uh, and I'd be in places like, I don't know, Pasha yeah. doing things that you do in Pasha. Yeah. And this song come on and me thinking, fucking hell, it doesn't get much better than this. Being yeah. alive doesn't get much. Yeah. Better. All I'm doing is just, breathing in and out and just soaking up the atmosphere and it's very rarely can you let go of yourself so fucking completely and in scenarios like that you know and this song that that cyclical nature of it do you search search for that kind of release you know in in, in whatever you do like if you can you do you get that when you play Um, I'll tell you there's different ways that I can come away from a gig thinking, oh, I have to fucking really think about that. And then there's the best ones are always the ones where you kind of zone out and you just play, man. Blink and you it's know. over. Yeah. Because it, our latest album, we've started to explore more sort of jazz influence. And again, that's more that's more sort of freedom of, of, of expression. You know, back in the day, like we was talking about earlier, those sets that were all linked together, they mm. were put together like a, like a theatre. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like everything was rigid, the bars were counted, everyone had to know the changes yeah. at the right times because otherwise the whole thing would 
would fall apart. But now with that jazz influence, that kind of freedom of, you know, just playing, man, he's, yeah. he's coming right into it. So I get a bit of that. It's not Pasha at four in the morning. Yeah. Listening to one one more time. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's whatever that feeling is that we're trying to sort of articulate. I still spiritual, want it. mate. I still want it. Yeah. yeah. I still crave it. I miss, I miss not gigging. You know, I love yeah. being in the studio. Don't get me wrong. Um, I love all the twiddling the knobs and the yeah. faders, but I like, you know, I like gigs as well. You ain't got to wait long. Yeah. Not long. <laughs> track six, a favorite track from your home County. Yes. Less difficult, this one. Um, I'm going to go straight in with the band, and it's The Prodigy. Um, firstly, what a fucking band. Are we calling him a band? I suppose we are. Of course we? so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh my God, they were they were around just at the right time for me. Um, you know, they were my yin to my yang. Again, it, it's that period of... Um, you know, there's some dance music. I'm going to clubs. I'm listening to that. I've, you know, I've got the fucking the Radiohead album on, and somewhere in the middle is Prodigy. It's like punk, but it's dance and it's fucking energy, um, and I loved it. And I, I had music for the Jilted Generation. I, you know, I had that record, um, and obviously I had Fat of the Land. It was one of them that who didn't have it. Mm-hmm. It was one of those seminal albums, wasn't it? And uh, I bought the I bought Breathe the single. I remember fucking rinsing Breathe to to bits. I, I still think it's a brilliant track you know written wise not just yeah. the beats and the programming and the sequencing but actually the the songwriting yeah. do you know what I mean if, if John Lydon you know beat the pressure I can't yeah. play my game I test you you, you know it would be a yeah. wouldn't it it would be a fucking punk classic um, and yeah so I've got nothing but respect for those boys and I see them uh, I've seen them a few times but one in particular was we played Snowbombing I think in 2011 and they were out in the woods in the mountains and uh, yeah, we was out there getting right involved. I think it was our first festival abroad. We was hanging around with Ed Sheeran as well, believe it or not. Not paying him much attention either. Yeah. He, he hadn't done anything. He was friends with uh, our keyboard player yeah. that we had at the time. So we said hello to this little ginger fella and didn't really, <laughs> didn't really know who he was talking to. He was like, fuck, should have bought him a beer. <laughs> should have spent some time with him. But I anyway, don't think he's struggling with a mortgage now. Yeah, he's all right. Uh, but yeah, watch the prodigy in the woods changed our lives, man. And the whole get down thing that we've done subsequently in gigs, I'm sort of showing the strings yeah. and the puppets here. But uh, yeah, it's ripped from the prodigy. Mate, I was listening to a live album when I was running this morning, and there's a bit where Maxim's going, "Get the fuck down!" Fuck God. <laughs> and it's and you do, didn't you? And it's brave. Is it right? No, no. It's, it's, it's brave. I smack my bitch up, and then it's like when the drop comes in. He's like, does his big scream. And, uh, yeah. I didn't oh. tell you the track though, did I? The one I I'm, I'm glad you've chose it as well. It's my favourite. Yeah, yeah, it's mine too. Mm. It's, it's a pretty obvious one for me. It's Wind It Up. Yeah. It's just such a buzz. And uh, it's, it's, that was from their first album, mm. as you you know this, student. Mm. Um, but I used to go around a mate of mine's. It was more into his kind of jungle and his rave music. Yeah. Um, again, this is quite early senior school, so sort of 11, 12. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was one of this and uh, is it Goldie? Um, yeah, he had like Goldie was a few years after. Was it a bit after, okay, but it was it was definitely this um, this album that we'd listen to again and again. It's got Charlie on it in it. Yeah, it's uh, got fire, uh, fire, and yeah. it's got uh, out of space, out of space, which is yeah. fucking. Um, I mean, you listen. You, 
those songs that you just listed there, yeah. that that they make for a classic album as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, wind it up is just brilliant, absolute banger. Yeah, and I think it was. I might be wrong, but I think it was one of probably like their less successful tracks. I think it came out after Out of Space. I might be wrong, and after Charlie, definitely after Charlie, and and it was one of them ones that I've still got, I've still got it on seven white label XL stamped yeah, on it, shit. and it's like but that's worth a few quid. Oh, I don't know. It's 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 just it's a cracking track, man, and it's like. Was you at V when they, they come back for Fat of the Land? No. In, oh, mate. Me and Chris was there from Hardcore you know what, Even if I watched you, I wouldn't remember. I might have been, do you know? I might have been. It's my favourite gig of all time. Yeah? And it, it's one of the moments where, you know, I was probably, what was that, 95, 96. So I was like 21, something like that. And it was like perfect age. And... The boys done good. Come back and play in a field in their back garden, massive with the hardest hitting record you've heard in years. And like, and I just remember, I guess from the album before, just it going quiet and then just doing that wah, 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 for, for the beginning of the poison. And then when the fucking drums kicked in, it was like I've never seen that sample. That oh thing. mate, I've never seen a whole field move in unison, yeah, and it was like. One of them moments where you just think, oh, I feel like I'm part of something here. Yeah, yeah. Like this is this is a moment. This is and yeah, oh, we, you know, it's uh, th- there's there's some great bands that have come out of where we live, and uh, and and you know, as, uh, they're arguably at the top. They're a genre of their own, aren't they? Yeah, That's what's like, so mind blowing about the prodigy? Yeah, you've got like a few, you know branches that kind of ping off them and you you know there's influences there yeah. but they're out there on their own aren't they yeah they really are and as are Depeche Mode right yeah, yeah. how do you pigeonhole them it's like yeah. have some good stuff in Essex mate yeah, yeah. um okay so as as a producer as a musician have you ever felt that when you have gone in to meet a label or you've gone in to speak to press, do you ever feel that people make assumptions about you from where you're from? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, it happened, it still happens quite a lot when we're on tour. Um, I mean, the interview thing is, is still fun to do, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. But they, they still often ask, why are you called The Milk? And then some odd quip about Essex and um, those dickheads on the telly. Yeah. That they film around here. Um, <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's bizarre. I think I said this the last time I see you, but I, they're, they're everywhere, mate. These these people that, you know, act and behave like they do, they're everywhere. It's just they yeah. film them in our, our, our county. And I think, you know, as soon as the white stiletto thing started it's just a fun game for yep it's just too easy it's too lazy isn't it so I don't know I don't really un- I don't really get it it's just a patch of land on yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean I don't yeah. really understand it but you know it's, it's where we're from and so I mentioned earlier that that we ended up um, you ended up through I think well, it was me that introduced you to James, wasn't it? I'm, I'm sure it, it would you, have yeah. come through through that. So, yeah. at the time I was doing that stuff with James, and and I think like 
I've been playing your music. We've, we've been driving up and down the M1 doing these DJ gigs, and I've been mm. playing him your, your your music. So you should check his band out. And uh, and then he got into it, and then yeah, you you approached him, and and he, he bizarrely, I'm saying he directed your video. He's then directed one for Death of Guitar Pop since as well, yeah, hasn't well, he? Like we said uh, earlier, man, we're all friends. With yeah, each other. it's all yeah. very ancestral, isn't it? Man? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was through you, man. We met him. That was uh, an interesting day. A uh, uh, working men's club yeah. in Dagenham, wasn't it? Was that his, that's where he grew up, wasn't it? Was it was. It was, yeah. 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 He's a fun guy. Yeah, funny guy, Jones. Uh, I see him recently, actually, because he was, like I say, the, the Death of Guitar Pop video you were just talking about. Yeah. He uh, did. He, he directed that. I, know I he think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was down at our studio when they were shooting uh, some of the scenes there, which is quite funny. It's good to see him. Yeah. He said to me, he said to me, because we live in the same town, he only, yeah. only lives up the road. He goes, here, Mitch, uh, perhaps we should go for a beer. <laughs> it's a good beer. impression as well. It's a, it's a, and I went, James, anytime you want to go for a fucking pint, mate, you just say, "Yeah." he won't come for a pint with me. No. I wish he would. I've got a lovely little local yeah. where we could sit in the corner and no one would shout, Bus wanker. Bus wanker. He'd <laughs> be perfectly safe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we ended up after that. Um, you played his wedding, which was uh, yeah. to this day, it was a fucking great weekend, wasn't it? it was and brilliant. the Def Guitar Pop Boys were there, yeah. Estates with Motion at the time. Yeah. And it just felt like all of our little gang, Mark Watts from the White Room Studios, we all went up to Scotland. Jolly boys out him. It was. And, and he got married in this big castle in, in Edinburgh. Not, not the castle, was it? But it was. I mean, it looked. Special, it was it? very special and yeah and news played and ocean color scene played that's a wedding reception isn't it yeah. whilst you sat there eating your free course meal with danny dyer, danny dyer yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, I remember him coming back from the toilet going don't go in there i've just dropped a pony <laughs> like you are exactly how i expected you to be uh, do you know what i said as well it was like when I remember, like, we was just standing outside before that. The, 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 you know, it all started, and, and people were like turning up and walking in, and and uh, and then this car turned up, and this 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 young lady got out, like, in kind of like tracksuit and curlers in, and all of that, and just walked straight in, and then like the other door opened, and Danny Dyer got out, and I just <laughs> thought, it's Danny Dyer, and and I thought, please be the Danny Dyer yeah. I want. Yeah. And he just come up and he was like, you are boy, I'm Danny. And I thought, yes. Get in there. <laughs> it's everything and more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, brilliant. See, James sat him on our table as well. That's right. He was on the table next to us, wasn't he? I was on there with, the, I, I think I was on there with um, the Def Guitar Pop Boys oh, yeah. and, uh, and Mark. I know and Mark was uh, throwing peanuts at someone. Of course he was. Yeah. Of course he was. <laughs> Great. Good stuff. Last track, mate. Uh, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Yeah, again, one of the trickiest questions, this one. Mm -hmm. But I kind of, I've, t I've turned it on its head a little bit and because I think I've revealed quite a few tracks that I otherwise, if I am known for anything, it's for the milk and you know soul music and so on and so forth. And I've given you a load of dance tracks, really. It's fine. So I've, I'm, I'm taking it back to base camp and... Um, I'm just going to hit you with just one of the most powerful pieces of music that's out there that's ever been made. And it is The King, and it is Elvis Presley and American Trilogy. Oh, mate. Life's dramatic, Stu. Fucking 
don't get much more dramatic than that. No, you really don't. And young Elvis, arguably the greatest looking man, coolest geezer that ever walked the earth, apart from the Fonz. And but Fat Elvis was better, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Vegas days. Give me that jumpsuit. The cheeseburgers and the I want the sweet inspirations. I want the fucking full string section. Suspicious Minds. The full version where it breaks down. The live version. And he brings it in. Fucking hell. Yeah. Can't be enough sweat. No. In and around his chin. No. And his forehead. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling it, yeah. Have you ever seen the performance that's very late where he does Bridge Over Troubled Water at a piano? He's a big boy at this point. It rings a bell, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Is this your favourite Elvis track? Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. It's it's one of those songs where at the end of the night, you know that it's the end of the night. Yeah. Whatever time. Sometimes that's 11 in the morning. Yeah. At least it used to be. Yeah. American Trilogy and then bed. And you should be all right. That rumble before the final... Nice. Like onslaught of strings and the yeah. final chorus, just as you feel it coming, it fucking hell. Yeah. I, I, I'm a bit of a fan of the King, mate. Like, yeah. if I can dream, oh, mate, he's. Is there a more epic record than American Trilogy? Well, I think that's the gauntlet. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I can't think of one. Like I say, I just went full dramatic. I had a few lined up. Go on. I, I had. Um, the night they drove old Dixie down lined up right to the last second by the band. Yeah. And I was ready to talk about, you know, the drummer singing and being a, you know, a, a songwriter and what that meant to me mm-hmm. and the last waltz and, you know, that, mm-hmm. that gig. And I was just about to tell you that that's what I was going to go for. And then I was like, fuck off. <laughs> Elvis fucking crazy, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Solid choice. Got me done. Right. So... Let's talk about the milk 2020. Let's do it. Right, what's happening? Well, we've just released our album, our mm-hmm. third studio album. Uh, it came out on Friday, the 17th mm-hmm. of January. Of January. It's called Cages, and it's our first self produced album. And you'd expect, you know, I produced it, but it very much was a four way um, process. You know, if there's, you know what it's like, what's. I don't think of a good analogy, but because we've all gone off and done other things musically, but when it comes to just the four of us, rightly so, we're all so equal. But just how we feel about working with each other, it's that it's that um, I still feel humbled by them. Do you know what I mean? Because they they were there from the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Like I've showed songs to Dan or Rick that were fucking god awfully terrible. You know when I could barely play three chords yeah, it's, it's like they know you warts and all in that music world yeah you know i can pretend to be a something else amongst other people but i you know i can't with those four um and it's great like this we, we self-produced it it was it was a risk you know um we you know we we, we needed confidence to do that um but the way we got on we, we, we we're getting on better now than we've ever done and I think that process of working together for, you know, sort of driving the project yeah. as, a, as producers do, I think it's really, really helped that and really, you know, understanding everyone, how they were feeling about yeah, the yeah, music yeah, yeah. and just working together, man. It's been a, it's been a beautiful process and um, 
it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's been out this weekend. It's only been out like a couple of days, and we had some great early reviews coming from all from all around the place, really. What formats can people get it on? Uh, so we're signed to Wawa 45s, which mm-hmm. is predominantly a heavy vinyl mm-hmm. label. I say heavy because they'd ask me to say that. Yeah. It's, you know, they they, they specialise in only the finest mm-hmm. wax. There's our label. And a great fucking label. Just big shout out to Dom and Adam, who literally let us do whatever we want in the studio and musically, but yet support us 100%, you Wicked. know. Until it's fucking terrible, and then they yeah. say you're not doing that. Yeah, uh, but that's so rare. That's so rare, and um, they're just great. Um, but yeah, we can get it on CD as well, and obviously your streaming platforms. Yeah, if you're that way inclined. You know. Aside from the in-store, that would have probably have happened by the time this comes out. What else is happening live-wise for the milk? Uh, well, we're actually a couple of days away from announcing a tour. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's going to be in the spring. Um, we've got a gig in West London on the 20, I don't know the date. It's, it's in March or April. I'm good at this. Yeah. It's a good thing you can produce Uh, records, mate. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm trying to remember the name of the venue as well. And I can't remember that long and short of it, Stu, is that we will be announcing a full UK tour Mm -hmm. in, uh, yeah, for the spring. Well, uh, if it's cool with, with, with you, I'll tag you in the post when this comes out so people can follow you in the milk. Uh, and I imagine that all of the tour dates and information as to where people can go and listen and buy your music from will be on the website, which is... Thisisthemilk.com. Fuck me. You had to honestly think about that, didn't you? Well, I people do this for me now, actually. Mitch, thanks loads, mate. Wicked Stu, thanks for having me. There you go. I'm also aware that everybody seems to like do their little outro at the end of their podcast by starting with the words, there you go. I don't know why. I think I just ripped off Pip. I think when I heard Scroobs out, I was like, right, well, that's what we do. But um, but I've noticed that lots of other podcasters do it. So, um, yeah. Useless information for you there. However, there was some lovely information for you in the last hour's worth of listening. I think you can agree that Mitch is an absolute diamond and it was lovely to have a catch up with him and and, and talk about just what a fascinating journey he's had and and just just being in a band with with, with the same three people for for that amount of time and, and still being friends, you know, and still being able to you know, mature and create and release incredible music. So go and check out uh, the, the Milk's new album. And yeah, and thanks ever so much for listening. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast. And it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes, so if you do get a print copy... 
you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It may stew with him. 